Hey, I'm Megan. And I'm Sharon, and welcome to The Breakup Dress. Each week, we will be delving into the fashion world, tackling the issues around fast fashion, education about sustainable fashion, and we want you to get involved as we share memories from our wardrobes. And you're very welcome back to The Breakup Dress. How are you getting on? How's Sharon? I'm great. How are you? I had such a busy week. I feel like you this week. <laughs> oh my God. I'll tell you, I just cannot wait. This is my last bit of work to do. And then I am out the gap off to Mallorca and I've never needed and wanted a break so much. I feel like emails and phone calls and WhatsApps have just been coming out my ears. So I'm like airplane mode. I'll be barely on my phone all the week because I just was like, I'm going to come on and share a bit of snaps and that'll be it. And I'll be going back into hibernation because I'm just like wrecked. You'll be doing holiday mode like me, so that's me on holiday. I just completely, like, yeah, I don't look at my phone. I don't do anything like that. Yeah, no, I actually am quite good on holidays for keep, like, for... I actually am on my phone very little. I just post, like, updates of what I'm doing and where I am. And then I... Or, like, not even, actually. I don't post stuff in real time. I take photos and videos as the day goes on. Then, I kind of, even time, I sit down and just put up a bit of stuff and usually just keep stuff for reels. But, um, no, I've been good the last few holidays of just reading and stuff. So, I have my Kindle ready to go. I'm going to download some books on the way to the airport. And, yeah, away with me very good well yeah I had a really busy week I went to Bruce on Friday with Bruce my dad Springsteen. yeah and you know it was great like I would have I actually like Bruce Springsteen but I wouldn't have thought to go only for the fact that like he really loves him uh, so I managed to get us tickets last minute and honestly we had the best time it was like it was like dad was at Coachella <laughs> It's oh. in his element. <laughs> it does. It looks so cool. And so many people were at it that yeah. I was just like, yeah. I actually was, I had a bit of FOMO. A few of my friends went last night and there was a ticket floating only for the holiday. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I was like, I need to kind of pack and organize my mm-hmm. life. So I was like, I didn't bother. Um, but we just want to remind you for listening in that we do actually have a guest coming up shortly. Um, so do stay tuned for that because it's uh, it's actually a lady that we're um, both really only getting to know. And um, I'm really excited to chat to her because I love when you have people on a podcast that you've never actually met before and kind of don't, you know, haven't, um, don't know as much about because it makes it more interesting because you're we're learning just as much as the listener is. Yeah, she's a super interesting person. I've um, listened to a few podcasts she's been on and read some of her pieces too. Yeah, she's really cool. She's class. Um, but before we get to her, because I know she'll be on soon, um, what else been going on? You were at a little something at the weekend somewhere. Oh my god, where was I somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been shooting. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on with that. So yeah, I just kind of have to shoot again. It's been a bit of a, you know, when things just don't go to plan and a few things go wrong, and then you kind of have to do it another day. But look, these things happen. I'm not gonna talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it went good no it went really really good it just didn't get everything done so I'm just trying to yeah figure out logistics now but it will be fine um, I have an event coming up at the end of the month too which I'm very excited about but I'll talk mm-hmm. about it again yeah um, so yeah and we oh actually we have an exhibition for anyone that's listening actually this is going to be out on Sunday so it'll be over so I'm just going to show oh up. no <laughs> but it was an exhibition, the exhibition. of lot. <laughs> yeah the exhibition so it's part of my studio we've actually rebranded to Flux um, so it's no longer Black Tea, but all our members are having an exhibition. So it's so nice. We're all coming together. We're all showing our individual, like, you know, whether it's artworks or paintings or clothes, in my case. And yeah, tickets are free. And yeah, we've already actually sold out. So I don't even know oh, why wow. I'm talking about this, but it'll be great. Yeah, so I'll make sure to take loads of stories and yeah, promote it. It'll be eventful. It'll be fun. But I actually have to work the next day at 10 o'clock. So like, the wheels Bad. will not be coming off. 
<laughs> well, you say that, and that's always nice. That it does go off. I know. Sorry, I, just, I know. I just pull my bra off there because I need to do my tan after this, and I realise I'll have bra line marks. So I was like, I better take that off. So apologies. That's why I was flinging across the room there. Um, no one can see you do that. <laughs> yeah, true. I was just there going. Oh. So tell me about the Instagram page of Flux. So for future events that we can know ahead of time. Yes. So yeah, follow. We've just literally rebranded to Flux Studios. So hold on for one second now. My God, I have to check up. this just to, just to make sure get, that I get, get it that I get it right because we've literally just changed yeah so the Instagram is flux underscore Dublin so anyone listening that you know is interested in like the art spaces in Dublin but also we have really cool classes on a lot of the people that are part of the studio have workshops um, so if you're up for the weekend rent then it's a great great page to follow and yeah if you're into art and all things creative follow it yeah, no, definitely. Like, I've obviously met some of the guys in the studio and I've seen some of the work. So, like, it is, there's always just something, there's always something kind of going on between the whole lot. Because there's so many of you, I think there's always, like, something happening. Yeah, we're all, like, a big family. It's really nice. It's so, so nice to just have such cool people around you, do you know? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it's actually, it's really cool lovely. vibes as well. I'm trying to think what yeah. else I did this week. I, oh, I interviewed Davy Fitz. Do you know who Davy Fitz is? Should I? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. Probably. <laughs> you, you you should, but you don't. I know why you don't. That kind of way, because um, you should, because you're from Leitrim. Well, mm, you should actually, but you don't because you there. Uh, yeah, it basically he's a. Uh, He's from Clare. He's a hurling manager, and he is um, the guy that's always shouting at the players and stuff. And he's kind of like no, like known for like shouting on the sideline. And he also is the guy, the co-founder, I think, or possibly founder of Ireland's Fittest Family, the TV show. Oh, okay. Well, cool. in GA terms, he's a legend. So <laughs> I know, but really you, enjoyed meeting I, him. Actually, it was really cool. So yeah. and how did it go? Yeah, how did it yeah, go? It was class. It was class. And then um, also, um, yeah, what else has gone on? My life? Jesus, has been what? Um, you were all dealing with my dramas at the weekend, but that's all been sorted. And yeah, we're just you know we're on holidays now, holiday mode. You know, let's you know I'm on to the future now. I'm looking forward, not looking to the past. What goes on holiday? Let's see what happens. Hopefully, I'll have a few stories and I come back. You know me, always a few yeah. stories. Yeah. Well, I, you know what's so funny, and I think this is gas. What happened to me at the end of the gig? I was telling you about. You know, when you go out and you dress up on a night out, and you're like, oh, you know, someone might come and chat me up. Like I look really well. They're the yeah. nights no one comes near you. So uh, after the gig, I think we were out to like, you know, I think it must have been like half one or two, and like had been dancing, had been obviously, you know, just sorry at the end of the night. You were with your dad. Yes, I know. So this is, listen to this. So we were in the pub at the end of the night and like obviously, like no makeup or anything. Like the makeup was literally like sweated off me. Looked horrendous, frizzy hair, everything. Sitting down in the pub and then I get chatted up with my dad right beside me. And I'm like, I'm telling you, they're the nights that happens when you literally make no effort at all and you look like crap. There you go. When it is. It's when you least expect it. Like who thinks you're going to get hit on when you're out with your dad? But you're looking, maybe, I know. He's, your new wing, who, maybe he's your new wingman. He thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. I was just like, okay, I'm never dressing up again. I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, where was I recently? Mam was trying to set me up with everyone, every man. Your mama always does that. I love I know, it. It's I have so to embarrassing. It. Though. No, it's actually really cringe. Like, it's so cringe because it's just like, I'm not even looking at the person and she's over there saying stuff and I'm like, this is just not cool. But um, yeah, so look, sure, we'll see what happens now. I'm excited to just get away to completely zone out and go hiking and sunbathe and read sorry I say sunbathe I'll be underneath the umbrella and do all those bits so yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be fun I can't wait for I'm it I'm you're going to have a great time I know I just I need this so bad and then sure we won't feel it I'll be, I think I'm home three and a half four weeks and then we go to Ibiza yeah oh my god like, I'm so mad. not prepared at all 
Oh, I can't wait for it. I actually have I packed. No, sorry. I kind of haven't. No, I don't have them packed at all. I'm actually hoping to pick up. Apparently, Palma in Mallorca is really good for um, vintage shopping. So I'm gonna see if I can pick up some quirky bits for Ibiza. Cause like, it's really sure like Ibiza from Mallorca. It's just the Blairic Islands. Like I'm, I'm literally gonna be so close to Ibiza. Yeah. You may as well stay there. Just don't come back. I will <laughs> say the one thing I'm raging about because we're obviously only doing four nights over there. We're missing Calvin Harris, and like Calvin Harris in Ashwaya is just such an experience. And I'm like, I can't believe we're missing Calvin Harris. So I think I'm part of me's already thinking about going back just to go see him. Really? Yeah, he's oh, he's so good live. Just and like, you know, what? Are, what's the vibe? Is it kind of like? Is it that type of music, or is there any like kind of house music places or? What? Oh yeah, so that's what, it? it's pretty much all house okay. music. Okay, okay, but like, Yeah, but like, it's all, it's a bit of everything, like, but like the Calvin Harris just class because everyone that goes there thinking that they're like all into their cool music and like they all go to Calvin Harris and suddenly the whole crowd is singing because everyone knows every song. Does so he that do, kind of uh, he's there, he's there a lot though, isn't he? Doesn't he do kind of, does he do residency there or something? Yeah, he does residency like, uh, like every, whatever day we're not, I think it's possibly every Tuesday or Wednesday for the entire summer for the season but like he lives in Ibiza he's like he that's where he now has he bought like I think a big huge farm or something so he lives out there wow cool class isn't it (laughs) yeah Now we are delighted to welcome our next guest on. Um, I'm so excited to hear all about the work that she does. She is first and foremost Irish, living in London, which great place. The editorial content producer for Tate and has written in so many different publications such as the Irish Times, Image.e, Refinery29 UK, Glamour UK, Stylist Magazine, Lonely Planet, I'd say to name but a few. It is the fabulous Jennifer McShane. You're very welcome. Hi, girls. I'm Thank you so much. Longtime fan of the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh we're delighted you. to have you yeah um, it's, uh, it, it sounds mad when people list off the stuff like that I never I never think about it I don't think anyone does when they're, when they're doing it <laughs> you're just happy to get the work and you, you keep going um, but yeah it's mad it's mad. it still doesn't feel like I've been in London that long even though it's, it's been a while now but I still feel like I'm finding my feet a little bit which is probably normal in a city like London <laughs> um, absolutely but yeah, yeah. I'm it's kind of year two in Tate now so it isn't like I'm only it isn't like I'm only in the door <laughs> yeah but I still feels it at times uh, it's amazing though like how did you get become the editorial content producer for Tate and for those of you who aren't familiar with Tate just explain a bit about Tate because um, I, I, I know from just only from being in London actually myself a few years ago so uh, do tell us all about that journey yeah well obviously Tate is one of the four galleries uh, in the UK that is under kind of the branding of Tate so there is kind of Tate Britain which kind of which is where I'm based which does kind of modern and, and contemporary and historic British art and then there's Tate Modern which does more of the international but still some British in there as well so I actually work across both those sites and then you take Liverpool which is actually Liverpool is hosting uh, Eurovision this year so uh, they're in the news a little bit more which is great so take Liverpool had some nice events there to just mark that which was great and then they take St Ives as well in Cambridge so there's four different sites um, and then I work across kind of the main ones um, in London and Basically, I was freelance for for quite a long time. Actually, I were, I started out in like local newspaper, local news years ago, and then moved on to kind of national press. So I did some work for the Irish Independent, and then I moved on to magazines from there. So Image.ie, and when when Image was kind of like a blog, kind of just come off the blog. So I was kind of there from the early stages for Image.ie, 
uh, as it kind of evolved into the like the digital offering and it's still as the magazine. So I started there um, when I was going to be quite young, like I'm still young now, but when I was in my 20s, I started it with, uh, with Image, kind of mid-late 20s. Um, and just kind of, I suppose, lucky in that way to kind of segue into digital when I did. Because uh, I'd gotten a lot of my training as such was in like local and regional newspapers, which are all but non-existent now. Um, so it's yeah. quite a place for people trying to break into it. And in a way, it's kind of, it's a landscape full of a lot of noise as well. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of hard now. I kind of feel very, I, I find it overwhelming at times now. And I've been in it quite a few years. So I kind of, most people, everyone else trying to get in, I say very hard now but I got all my kind of training the traditional way from that and I used to I had the usual I I was in college and I had a blog so that got me used to like setting that up myself and then I, I trained myself on Photoshop and InDesign and all that kind of thing and yeah I just kind of discovered that while I liked news um, I had a knack for I suppose um, commercial content or editorializing content for brands which kind of image kind of fostered that in me so before it became a, a thing, that's kind of what I was very good at in the in the later years of um of working on the magazine of working on the magazine and particularly on the website. Um, and then when I decided to go freelance, I did a bit of editing for Sheology, which was another company, uh, another movie company, and I managed the team there for a while for a few different websites. And then I decided because I wanted to get more experience. Um, working for one company is brilliant in a lot of ways. I always think that I wouldn't be where I am now unless I branched out on my own and decided if I really wanted to upscale, I had to work for more than one person. I had to see how the other companies worked, so how, how a lot of digital-only companies did it. And I decided I really wanted to get more into the, the cultural um, aspect of it, because I know that anyone that knows me knows that like film, art, are my whole life, really. So that's what I, I kind of saw. The editorial content position is maybe um, it's a copywriting position for tape. So that's, we're all called content producers there, one that thing. So, because we produce content, what we do. So, when I seen it, I had no kind of background in, in the arts in that way. So, when I seen it, I was like, oh, maybe this is something that I could bring kind of my work in kind of the commercial branding too. And, you know, I, I get to see and write about lots of incredible artists. Um, but also, one of the main reasons that kind of the job appealed to me was also because of the way the job application was set up. So I had to start the policy. Um, and I kind of, I suppose in the last few years, I've only really started to, be able to write about disability in a very broad way, in a very mainstream way, where I'm kind of speaking about myself and my own experiences a little bit. But what I loved about Tate in particular and what drew me to apply for them wasn't kind of just the job, which I thought was, you know, an amazing job, but also the way their application was set up, which is they actively asked people to please, applicants, to please tell them if they had a disability. Mm. And you know, if they identified as disabled, um, and and if you filled out this bit on the form and you you met certain criteria, you automatically got an interview because they knew the art sector was underrepresented. They were a disability first employer. They have um, a disability network of which I'm co-chair, and that was all transparent. It was all upfront on the application. And it was kind of the first time that any kind of company that I'd seen had really made that obvious in in a lovely way, at the earliest point of it, which is to say, like, we know it's underrepresented. We know we have to diversify our staff a bit more. 
please, you know, feel free and be comfortable to tell us everything, how we can help you. And, you know, if you even meet some of uh, what we need, we actually don't know what that was, but presumably having some kind of copywriting experience, you will get in the door and we will interview you because we know we have to do a bit, you know, we have to work harder in that regard. So that was really what appealed to me. And I thought, wow. Yeah. that's that's amazing yeah like every job really every job application should be like that you know that should be taken into consideration no matter what you're applying for yeah yeah and i'd spoken at an event for facebook kind of previously where the hr department were asking like what can we do to help applicants and i kind of said it starts even before they apply it starts with companies really being vocal about the fact that they're you know they're disability led and that they're truly inclusive and that means shouting about the work that they do it means not being afraid to say to people like we know it's hard mm-hmm. we know it's hard to talk about it because people a lot of people still feel that it will work against them if they can yeah. say they have their own challenges and it's really up to companies to, to set that standard and I think if that hadn't been so open on the application, I don't know if I'd have been that confident about applying. Because you know what they say, like if you don't, I think women in particular typically don't take off every experience bullet point in the application. They're less inclined to apply as opposed to men. I think I read that before. Yeah. So that really was, you know, what kind of I said was really alluring about the position, and also because I knew it was Kate and it would be wonderful. Mm. To- to work there so it's kind of all of those little um when you look back over your kind of job or career <laughs> journey it never makes sense at the time like it didn't to me it felt like i was just going from from one to the other as the industry kind of changed but then as you look back you realize that oh everything every kind of step stone was leading to to where i am now which um and it just happened to coincide with the fact that i had decided that I wanted to be more open about the cerebral palsy and the disability and to, to use what i had and talk about it more for for young women in particular for women because I didn't feel for years that I could I felt yeah. it would work against me I felt that that's you know in a way you want to talk about it and you want to represent you know people that have similar challenges but also you don't want to be boxed in either mm-hmm. fine of course actually so for I, anyone that's listening as well sorry we should have probably brought this up you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy at the age of one um and just to maybe for anyone that's listening that maybe isn't hasn't doesn't know what it is can you maybe explain it and how it has shaped your life sure so the way so cerebral palsy is is an extremely broad uh, condition yeah. that that can affect anyone that has cerebral palsy the best way to describe it is that it won't affect any two people the same way so it mm-hmm. can affect either all your kind of limbs or some of your limbs so the way i would describe it is that my walking and balance are affected my um, my kind of lower body as well and my, and my right side of it so basically what it means is that when people ask is that I'm unsteady on my feet depending on the surface depending on the terrain it basically means that your energy you know you get tired quicker your energy levels deplete you use up 30% more energy just doing basic tasks like getting, yeah. getting out of bed so in a way it's kind of Cerebral palsy was just always what I had because obviously I was diagnosed from such a young age, I was an identical twin. And it took me 
you know, for you know, a long time, especially when I was kind of in my teens, in my early twenties, I just didn't talk about it really. I didn't want to because it takes ages to really become comfortable with yourself anyway. I think. Of course. And I only really mm-hmm. started to kind of say, okay, this is you know, this is you know, part of who I am, but not the most interesting thing about me is the best yeah. way I would describe it. Yeah. When I was thirty, I kind of realized that now, you know that I want to be happy and lead a happy life and in order to do that I think you have to there has to be some some element of acceptance with it because mm. you, know, you have to work with what God gave you in a sense and absolutely <laughs> yeah so, um it kind of shaped I suppose it's in a good way it shaped my my kind of attitude and I have to thank my mom and my parents for this my mom who kind of said you know Jen, you can do anything you want you just have to think about it a bit differently and it kind of kind of gave me that drive to kind of do things that I wasn't, you know, wasn't, no one in kind of my family kind of thought that maybe I would move abroad on my own and, and do all this on my own. Because maybe wrongly, wrongly or right, it's, it's not expected of people with different challenges. Maybe years ago, it just, it wouldn't have been assumed that you would just do the same things that everybody else would. I think that's changing now. Um, yeah. in, in the best of ways, um, it forms a lot of my insecurities as a woman, but it also, I think, self-positive me the best thing about myself, which is, you know, determination to kind of do things, even with the, even with the physical challenges and the, you know, mental challenges. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a fine line, but I think, you know, it's responsible for, I think, some of the best things in my life. So, you know, and also that you don't know, this is, you don't know anything else. But that um, anything like that, I suppose, does bring out uh, bring out the, the best and worst. I think of what life has to has to throw at you. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. No, I think it's incredible. And like, you know, you're in you're in the UK and you're in London and like what you've said about Tate just seems like it's so forward thinking as well. And I always found that with the UK, the UK is always kind of miles ahead of the rest of the world. And then like for you then, when you look back at home or when you come visit home, do you do you notice then the massive differences? Like I know you shared your, your walker with you on um, your Instagram page and, you know, you you said you sometimes need to use it. So do you find then when you come back to Ireland, you're kind of like, oh my God, Ireland really needs to catch up? You know, I think, like everything even in the uk as well i think there's a lot to do across the board generally like everyone is trying their best and yes the uk are a little bit further but i can see that ireland is really trying um and i just i have certain difficulties which make kind of dublin in particular very difficult for me to live like mm-hmm. as a result of the cerebral palsy and a very severe startle reflex i'll never be able to drive so that does mean that I'm reliant on public transport, which in Dublin isn't the best, as we know. And I know all about it. <laughs> and then your alternative, like, is for me, is it's taxis. And you know, maybe now it's about from where I live to city centre. You're looking about sixty euros each way there and back. That's before you spent anything. It's just unattainable for me to be independent means being able to get around without relying on something that's so expensive or another person. And I just found as the years went on, I think I looked back in an app and I realized that I spent 500 euro in a month just getting around on public transport. I was living at home at that time. Yeah. And I was like, how am I ever going to be able to afford to rent my own place to stay for a house if this is just the way yeah. it is? And never mind that the the media sector I felt was was kind of smaller in Dublin. Like everyone I know 
kind of free this was before covid it was you know and then it got smaller still with covid everyone i know freelanced and also everyone i knew that freelanced had a partner that kind of worked in another job so that they weren't you know they weren't solely dependent on a freelance income and i just thought if i wanted to kind of if i wanted another avenue or something else to explore another sector I thought I would maybe have to go away and just see if my quality of life would be better. Because you don't know until mm-hmm. you travel, until yeah. you do it. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it was extremely difficult. Like, it's such a, it's an amazing place, London, but it's also quite difficult to integrate in when you don't know anybody as well. And there are certain things like the, you know, there are different government benefits here, which are, you know, which are great in that they're not means tested. Like some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. So all of, you know, Ireland's benefit system is totally means tested. So it's totally based on your income. Where there's other schemes here that actually don't take into account your income at all. They just take into account the condition. You know, there is things like there's a taxi that, you know, subsidized taxis every month. I think you get eight every month and they roll over, which is like 70% off a fare. You get like a, a freedom card, so you don't have to pay for, um, you know, public transport here, which is, don't get me wrong, public transport is expensive here. You know, you, but, you, but yeah. are paying for a system that is really excellent, you know. And yeah, you know, there are buses in Dublin, but if you have a disability, you're going to be standing at a stop maybe for you know 20 minutes half an hour waiting for the next one yeah it's raining whereas here it's like oh there's another one in three minutes so (laughs) yeah i mean if you have a choice it's anyone's choice to move away from their family friends from everything that they know right away i always wanted to travel and work somewhere else to see what it was like but equally i got to the point that was like how am I actually going to be able, even with all the challenges that I have, how am I going to be able to have, you know, a fully independent life here? And I just couldn't see it at the time. So I figured it was better to try. And then if you don't, it doesn't work out, you can always go home. And that was before cost of living and COVID and everything that hit, which I think it just makes, living in any major city is a challenge, but at the moment with the housing crisis, what it is, etc. It's particularly challenging to live um, in Dublin at the moment. That's if you don't have any disability or any other kind of, you know, any other challenges that you do. Yeah, totally. As well, and just wanting to see if I could have a more, just an easier, an easier day to day life. Because I always say, mm. politics are that hard when when things are really tough. It's going to be impossible. So I was thinking the basics shouldn't be so difficult. And at the moment for people with disabilities in Dublin and Ireland, I think the basics are really hard. You know, if you want to work, you know, and you actually do want to work in a living, but you can't work that much, you're not, you're hardly going to get anything um, to kind of support you in terms of the disability and that's there. That's there. So it just isn't really set up in the way that it is here to encourage people to go back to full-time work but still need mm-hmm. support because I talk about something called the disability tax where I think the latest figures were you about 16,000 more a year just living as a disabled person because you need to spend extra just to be able to live the same life as the as a non-disabled yeah. person. So 
there are a lot of challenges mm -hmm. that a lot of work still to be done in that regard but it's hard that comes from you know government policy change which never happens overnight um, yeah. no no definitely not it's just terrible like you think that you know that the same allowances should be done for people here in ireland especially when the transport isn't as good and you know it's just you know it's it's great in the fact though that it's easier for you in london and that you know that you can get around easier and that the transport's better um and saying that though you definitely must miss a few things about ireland oh I, like every day i miss first of all, <laughs> i miss the people um i miss the the openness the chattiness the sense mm -hmm. of humor i mean most of my friends here are irish and i think that says something where luckily there's a massive community of irish over here and we all gravitate towards each other and there's something about you know never mind like the food that you miss you miss like my mom's cooking i miss because i cannot cook even things like the butter like the <laughs> milk the chocolate nothing tastes yeah as a taste in Ireland and you know of course like family all my friends are in are in Ireland as well so every day I miss it I miss something about it but I suppose you have to if it were just on those aspects you'd probably say well look I'll just go home but I think particularly as you get older you have to weigh it up you have to weigh up you know what you want versus your day-to-day -day quality of life and, and that's a hard thing to have to weigh up you know what I mean but um, I actually read something earlier you said about I, I read something you wrote about your mum's cooking and I love that you were like yeah I'd come home from my mum's cooking <laughs> yeah and I, mean, I, I have an identical twin sister uh, Lucy who just um, I look, and she had a baby and he's you know two now Sam and Aww. like I'm just, you know you're, you're missing those moments you're missing you can say Jen now which I'm so happy about so Aww. all the phone and the video calls are are working I mean I'm convinced for ages he just thought it was I was some form of his man because we look so similar but it's not <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that yeah like you're missing all those moments so while like London has so many positives it's never going to be like it's your home away from home but it's not home mm, it's not yeah. the home that you know um, so yeah, yeah so that's for when you have a disability I suppose you have to weigh that up you have to weigh like quality of life and independence versus I suppose being comfortable being kind of knowing that you love home that it's safe and cozy but you know you're going to get probably more to challenge you and, and more opportunity at the moment mm. over here and it may change you know what I mean I, I may get sick of it of at some point like that's it and I think the thing to say to people is that there's always a way if you want to do something you will find a way but because there are so many pluses in terms of you know transport in terms of support over here you, you know, I'd have mm -hmm. to think carefully about what the next move would be if I were to and mm -hmm. plus also job I don't think I would have got certainly taste if I'd have stayed at home yeah. so yeah and that's amazing home. that's right in the city center isn't it yeah it is I mean I'm, I'm fairly the taste isn't it I'm I'm zone two, so and um, and I'm based in Cape Britain, so it's fairly close to me, which I got lucky because I moved oh, over right. before I got the job. <laughs> I moved over on a whim and just thought I'll find something when I get here. Um, I love so it. I was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Um, I actually just wanted to ask you a question about um, 
the fashion industry, of course, because we are a fashion podcast. Um, and just, I suppose at the minute now, the hot topic is, you know, everyone's trying to address um, the changes in the fashion industry, how companies are trying to make themselves more sustainable and ethical and, you know, in the face of this climate crisis that we're facing. But also, there's definitely a huge push for greater inclusivity and diversity. Um which I think is amazing. Like, what are your views on that? Like, do you see, see that being done in brands now? I mean, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I'm all for sustainable fashion. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, when I had a big event and I rented a dress and I didn't buy, I didn't buy something. I'm all, if I buy something, I'm one of those things that if I, if I buy it and wear it, I'm going to use it until it has actual holes in it. That's um, me. <laughs> But I also think trying to do sustainable fashion when you have a disability um, is quite difficult because often you need, like I can't wear high, I can't wear high shoes, for example. So I, I need things that are quite petite that I know will fit me, and um, that I, you know what I mean. So it's quite hard when you are trying to shop. I think most people agree that things are in stores that suit generally that shoot that suit the broad population so stuff that could be on trend you you know mm-hmm. might, yeah. might might be suitable at all because i have to wear almost all the dresses are too long they're too big they're going to catch in the wheels if I'm, I'm in the wheelchair or they don't you know they are yeah. they catch in the wheels of the walker or you know one of the things is that i can't yeah. I, I can't get certain clothing on and off my head so it has to, on my shoulders so it has to like open up the either open down the bottom or like some of the zips mm-hmm. at the side if I heard for me to put up. So while some brands are doing it great, in particular like some of the, some underwear brands are doing kind of, you know, they're doing bras where you can kind of open them at the front and not the back. And mm-hmm. you know, open underneath and things like that, which is great. Um, yeah. I think brands are really trying, but I think we've a long way to go before no, we're actually those with disabilities are, are thought of in a way that is good for I suppose the individual needs that you have and good for sustainable fashion but in a way I think that's why kind of um you know doing kind of secondhand clothing and going to see like little vintage kind of boutiques is always it's always a great idea because you find gems there you find things that yeah necessarily be catered for in, in mainstream shopping so I mean I always find it a challenge I always find it I always want to get something that isn't necessarily fast fashion yeah. but often and is sustainable but often mm-hmm. you kind of have to go well this is the only one that actually fits me that I can actually physically put on myself that I can wear never mind that if something doesn't fit you if the standard sizes don't fit you because not all ranges even have a petite you know, even have a standard petite section. So you mm-hmm. think, okay, so I'm going to buy this. But then I have to, like, I have to pay more to get it altered, to get it, to yeah. make sure the zip is taken off, to make sure the zip is not there, to make sure the length is taken off. So it's quite, it's quite challenging, I think. And kind of doing, kind of vintage, exploring vintage shops is something that that's fun. But I think it, it takes time. I don't think yet, as a disabled. Mm-hmm. I can walk into a store and go, yep, I'll definitely find something here for me that is going to be good for me and is kind to the environment. But often, I just have to take what there is. 
You know what I mean? So I think yeah. I think there is an awareness in the fashion industry and you know in the circular economy of fashion that we have to be aware of what we use and what we buy and how often we buy. But I think for me as a disabled woman trying to shop sustainably and kind of shop for a way that suits my physical needs is actually doubly challenging and I think that's what isn't really taken into account yet across the board. And there are two different sets of needs there. You want to cater Absolutely. for, yeah. you know, different shapes and sizes and heights and all that kind of and practical things like um if I were to kind of have a stylist for a big event and they said, Well, if you can give me one sentence of what you want, I said, Can you give me a dress that looks nicer when I'm sitting down mm-hmm. as well as fits me standing up because I'm going to spend most of the, of the night sitting on a chair and it's quite hard mm-hmm. it's quite an unusual request and um, to have when you're kind of going out on these and you want to shop sustainably and that kind of thing so yeah it's but it's even interesting for me to hear as a designer you know it's great because yeah. you know those are things that you have to think about and you might not necessarily you know day to day but like listening to you is so inspiring because you know yes like you want to make things that everyone's going to feel good in or you know you might get a client that comes to you and is like you know I want it for this event but it has to look good when I'm sitting down or you know yeah, yeah definitely it's yeah, very in- like yeah I'm just learning so much this is very yeah. interesting even things like zips at the side because they don't have dexterity in both hands full dexterity I'm like mm-hmm. at the side buttons at the side not those hooks where I just can't use both hands to hook them up you know what I mean so yeah like that or sometimes the things are billowy and they're like they just go over your head I find that I might get it on but I mightn't get it off because yeah. there's no kind of and I, I've lost count of the times that I've had to actually physically cut myself out of clothing because I can get it off stop so like, get it off so the rule is if it's tight going on you you probably won't get it off mm. on your own because I can't actually <laughs> get it off over my head yeah it has to up over my shoulder so even things like that and like I'm quite I'm quite broad in my shoulders so trying to even if it's billow but then but then again because I'm only five two if it's billowy like that it's not going to really do anything around the waist area so it's just so difficult clothing has to be tailored but I also have to be able to get it on and off without you know assistance unless it's good assistance from (laughs) from a guy that wants to help I don't know (laughs) <laughs> of course it's, yeah. but it's like it's, it's actually such interesting food for thought because like as I said like mm. so, stuff that like you know we might not all think of day to day so like thank you so much for like sharing that with yeah. us and sharing that insight and for being so open with us today like I have to say like I've I was so excited to chat to you and like it's just been brilliant yeah. to learn more about about you and your life and Tate and everything mm-hmm. and I just think it's um it's incredible career that you've built up so far and then I think you're right you sit with, at the start when I was giving the intro you're like you're right sometimes we all we seem to forget sometimes all the work we've done previous so like it's nice to be able to reflect on mm. that as well yeah and so, and, so and, and also I meant to add as well oh sorry you're, you're a huge role model for anyone you know like you said when you were younger and you were like I want to be a writer and you know for seeing people like you were like you were like you for anyone that's in your position when you were younger like you're a role model to them for someone that might want to be a writer or that might want to move to London or have the career that you have so that's brilliant you know oh 
Oh, you're so sweet. And I have to I have to kind of thank Tate for that because not that, but I, I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk. I've started to kind of post photos of me with the K Walker, which I do use most of the time. And then they asked me to mm. be in a video last year for International Day of Persons with Disabilities, where they asked me to walk around the galleries in the walker and talk about disability and art. And I was so nervous about doing it. I hated the way I looked in the video. When I saw the cut, I was like, cried. I was like, I actually look awful. I can't put this out. And, but then I was like, you know, you have to, Jen, you're doing it because you don't see anyone like you. And that's why you feel insecure about it, etc., etc. So I got over that because I said, it's not a vanity thing. You're not doing, you didn't say yes to do it for you because they said, how do you want to be filmed? And I said, look, if it were up to me, I'd want you to film me sitting down on a bench and leave it at that. But that won't, if I'm sitting down, you don't see anything. So that isn't an honest or accurate portrayal of how I live my life day to day, how yeah. I'm going to day to day. So you have to put that in, even though it made me, you know, initially uncomfortable at the start. And then um, it got so many, you know, positive responses and so many responded to the video. And I got so many messages saying my, you know, my daughter has CP or my kids have CP or I have CP and or people in the company have yeah. CP no because they didn't like they didn't like to talk about it and that's why you do it and, and since since the video came out last year then so many people were like oh do you want to talk about you know your age do you want to talk about the cerebral palsy and it opened a door I think it gave me an outlet in a way that you know mm. if I look back on it would I have thought I, I wanted to do it that way probably not but now I'm just kind of happy that you know if you google me yeah. it's there. And it kind of, you know, it has its own challenges trying to date and all that, don't get me started. But you know what? It is what it is. It's there and people can either ask me questions about it or if they don't like it, they can like click on to something else. You know what I mean? So in a way it makes it it makes it a lot easier to, to talk about the thing that also has, you know, mm. open doors like cerebral palsy has, but also is a real source of insecurity still. You know, there's so many elements about it that make me insecure as a woman in you know 2023 but it's also done so many great great things so you know i have to i have to you know think that it's it can only be a good thing and that it's perfect. <laughs> absolutely and we should remind everyone that you're actually on instagram jenny mcshane j-e-n-n-y full stop mcshane and uh, they can follow you there and keep up to date with everything you've been doing because i have to say i'm fascinated by everything and uh, i'm just so glad that you agreed to come on the podcast yeah thank you so much jennifer it's been absolutely brilliant i learned so much you're so kind i mean and i just think you're both incredible and all the designs and everything that you do and yeah if you know if i ever have a big thing and i need something special i'll be like i'm going to go to it mm-hmm. <laughs>